0: It always makes me giggle when people think I have a Southern accent. I'm from Georgia, uh, but I'm from the big city in Georgia, Atlanta. Uh, that's where I, I grew up and where I always was raised. And uh, you get out of, outside of Atlanta, you got some people that really have a drawl. That really, I mean, I might have to interpret for you if you you heard some of these folks. And and Wayne was our facilities manager at Atlanta Christian College, which is now Point University. Uh, he was our facilities manager and. And even though Wayne had a drawing, he had a story for every occasion. Y'all you, you, you know those kind of people, right? That, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. They have a story. And Wayne had a story. And, and you made the mistake of underestimating Wayne. Sometimes people do that. When somebody sounds like they're from way out in the country, they think they might not be smart. But Wayne was very smart. And, and Wayne was bright. And, and so in the early 2000s, Wayne uh, had this thing he was pushing man he was all over Krispy Kreme donuts now I don't know do y'all know what Krispy Kreme donuts are uh, they are a little slice of heaven especially when they're right out of the oven they have a sign at the Krispy Kreme donuts I'm making some of you hungry now you they have a sign that says hot now and if you get in there and get some hot now donuts woo! I'm telling you that's something else right there you know, my dad, every time he comes to see us, which is not too often, every time he comes to see us or when he would come to see us across Atlanta, when we lived out there, he would bring a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. And uh, Brady would eat about 10 of them. And the rest of us would split the other two. Uh, but <clears throat> those things, uh, they were great. And so in the 2000, Krispy Kreme donuts had an initial public offering of stock. And people started buying Krispy Kreme donuts Stock because they love Krispy Kreme donuts and, and everything was great for a while. It started out about ten dollars. In fact, uh, in April two thousand, it was eleven fifty a share. By August of two thousand three, it was forty eight dollars and ninety cents. Let's call it forty nine dollars a share. And I happened to you know I didn't have a lot of money, but I bought some Krispy Kreme stock because I love Krispy Kreme donuts and and so uh, that was the that was the first stock I ever bought that doubled and I was like whoa, man I you know I just call me Warren Buffett Jr but Krispy Kreme donuts went way up and Krispy Kreme donuts stock went way down you see it ran into a little thing called the Atkins diet you know the low carb y'all remember that right where it became like sin to have carbohydrates in your food and you had, you know, this Atkins diet was all about high protein, high fat, which was another diet that people like because you get to eat all the steak and stuff you want. But, but the Krispy Kreme donut stock, because it had a profit's loss from, I told you, August 2003, 48 90 a share. In August 2004, guess what it was? 13.50 a share. All the way up. All the, Now, it took three years to go up. It took a year to go down. And a lot of that was half overnight after that first bad profit report came out. And that taught me something about investing. It taught me you had to know what to buy. You had to know when to buy it. And you had to know when to sell it. Right? If you bought Krispy Kreme donut stock in... August of 2003 at forty eight ninety a share. You might think, this is a great stock. Look at how it's done. And then you're sitting on a big loss a year later. If you bought it in uh, 2001 like I did, and then you made a profit. You doubled your money. And I even happened to, by the grace of God, I, I sold it before it took way down. Now, again, I didn't invest a lot, so I didn't make a lot. But you know what I'm saying? You have to know what to buy, when to buy it, and when to sell it. I'm going to tell you today about the world's best investment. And interestingly enough, it is not the world. We've been talking in this series about how we can invest our lives. How, how can we invest our lives in things that matter? And today I want to tell you uh, that the stock market, every day, there are fortunes made, there are fortunes lost, but I don't think that's where the world's best investment is found. In fact, if you read to the end of the Bible, and today we're going to be primarily in Revelation chapter 18, if you read to the end of the Bible, you see that, that oftentimes what appears to be hot, what appears to be on an ever-increasing rise upward, uh, it oftentimes fades and falls. In fact, it can be very deceptive. The first thing I want to tell you today about the world's best investment is don't. Don't live in Babylon. Don't live in Babylon. Revelation 18, chapter four, or verse four through eight reads like this. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people. So come out of what? Come out of Babylon, if you read the first three verses of Revelation 18, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as a queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. How proud is that? How arrogant is that? Therefore in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. As you hear that, uh, you might be thinking, what is Babylon? Well, Babylon is a constant theme, particularly through the second half of Revelation. to uh, hearers then, uh, readers then of the Revelation, they would have immediately thought of Babylon, the great city. Uh, Babylon, the great city of what is now modern-day Iraq. Uh, Babylon was, was a mighty empire, so mighty that it overtook, it, it thoroughly annihilated the people of God. Israel then, uh, by the Assyrians, then Judah by the Babylonians, and the, the, Judah, the Jews were taken, particularly their, their best and their brightest, they were taken to Babylon in exile. Babylon was this dominant world power, very harsh, very cruel, very materialistic, very interested in showing off and flaunting wealth. Babylon, they would have thought about. But when we talk about Revelation, he's not speaking in, in this Revelation about the ancient city of Babylon. He's referring to Rome, the capital of Italy. Rome, the capital of what was then the dominant political military force, the Roman Empire. And he's saying of Babylon, Rome, she appears to be on top of everything now. It appears to be that That you need to get as much as you can get and and get as much power as you can get and get as much prestige as you can get. But what John is saying in this revelation is uh, that this great Babylon, this seducer of the world's kings, this seducer of the merchants of the earth, this Babylon will not stay on top. There are some insights I want to give you about Babylon. Why I don't think... You should live in Babylon. You might say, well, that was Babylon, That then the revelations about Rome. Well, I think you can very well understand Babylon today as the world, our culture's predominant influences. What are our culture's predominant teachings? It's much like the old ones, isn't it? That life is about what you make. It's about the stuff that you have. It's about the power and and the prestige and reputation that you have? Doesn't that sound like today? So you can understand today, uh, there's this constant pull, there's this constant tug within us between the flesh and the spirit. There's a constant tug in the world between the things of the world and the things of God. And the reason we have to be careful is the world is seductive. Uh, Babylon is seductive. In Revelation, it puts it this way, that uh, you read a little earlier that Babylon is a prostitute. Babylon is uh, uh, this evil influence, very enticing, very alluring. Uh, This Babylon is something that that reaches out to us and and is attractive and and just makes us want to, to have it and be a part of it. And this Babylon, it can take us and suck us in and and it can cause us to have momentary glory and eternal judgment. The second insight I see here is the the world has sins piled up. The world heaps sins up high. You've seen a heap. Uh, that's a term we use a lot down south. A heap is is just a, a big old pile of something. And, and this says the the world is. It, Every day, those sins are just piling up. As people are used, as people are bought and sold, there's actually that reference later in this, this chapter, I'll show you in a few minutes. As, as people uh, don't matter as much as things, as people don't matter as much as reputation, uh, then those sins pile up. But you know, it's very easy sometimes to, uh, to pile up things that we really don't want on our record what is sin according to scripture it is whenever we do something that god wouldn't want us to do that's what we typically think of of sin those are sins of commission as i call them uh, when we, we do something god doesn't want us to do but there's also sins of omission where we have opportunity to do positive things for god and we don't do them the, and those sins uh, for all of us none of us are perfect those sins do pile up you think for a moment you probably don't think very often because it's hard to think about that you think about your sins in the past week the things you did that god didn't want you to do the, the things you didn't do the opportunities you didn't seize that god had for you to do something for him when we were meditating at communion time i i think every week And and I confess to God those opportunities I didn't make a difference for him. Those things I did that he didn't want me to do. What this says is the world, as it builds up and, and seems to grow more smart and more rich and more powerful, it will seem like it is on top of everything. Babylon says, I'm a queen. I'm not a widow. I will never be in mourning. Sins under the surface, sins not in the limelight, they pile up. And then this scripture says, verse 8, the world will be judged. And not only an a, 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 a overwhelming or overarching judgment, but it will happen instantaneously and it will be consuming. Verse 8 said again, therefore one day her plagues will overtake her death, mourning, and famine. She'll be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Now, if it's your first Sunday here, you're probably thinking, this is why I don't go to church all those hellfire and brimstone preachers. Well, I'm telling you this. I feel like God. As I've, I've walked with God, I feel like God in, in that I want, my, my best, my, my lasting dream is that no one would be condemned. No one would be lost. No one would perish. My heart is that everyone would accept the grace of God. Everyone would accept the love of God. Because I believe in, listen, I'm a doubter. I have studied this. Uh, I have looked at it and torn the Bible apart. Uh, I believe it is true. And I think if I'm going to speak the whole truth to you, I need to tell you this. If you don't accept Jesus by faith and by grace... As much as I want you to be saved and God wants you to be saved, there is only one consequence for unrepented of, unconfessed sin, and it is judgment. It's judgment. When we live in Babylon, when that is where our heart is, the end result, the end of the book tells us there'll be judgment. So the second thing I would ask you today as you think about the world's best investment is don't love Babylon. Don't love Babylon. 1 John 2 15 and 16 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So don't love the world. What, what, are those primary philosophies of the world. We've kind of been hinting, I'm hinting at them, but let me give them a name. Uh, I think the first love of the world is materialism. It's materialism. That is loving stuff, loving things we can buy. You know, we, it's, it's so ironic, the juxtaposition every year in our culture here of the fourth Thursday in, thank, in November we have Thanksgiving, and the next day is what? Black Friday. And tomorrow is what? Cyber Monday. Which is what? Go buy as much stuff as you can buy. Right? Uh, Black Friday, you buy it at the store. Cyber Monday, you buy it by clicking your mouse. Right? Verses 11 through 19 of Revelation 18. The merchants of the earth, that is the the merchandisers, the, the business people, they will weep and mourn over her babbling because no one buys their cargoes anymore the cargoes of gold silver precious stones and pearls you know what's amazing to me is humans have always been the same sometimes we say well the bible doesn't speak to our time and culture well yeah yeah it does people still buy gold and silver and those and listen here's some more fine linen purple silk and scarlet cloth Every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Cargoes of cinnamon spice, of incense, myrrh, and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as what? Slaves. They will say the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea. So it's not only the business owners, but those who transport all the goods uh, they will stand far off whenever they see the smoke of her burning they will exclaim was there ever a city like this great city they will throw dust on their heads and when weeping and mourning cry out "Woe, woe to you great city where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth in one hour she has been brought to ruin what that says is this and we see it and know it to be true that all of the stuff, while it is nice to have, it can be deadly if we place our trust in it. If all our energy and effort, our investment is in it. Now think about this. You know, just last night, uh, Bo is over at our house and he's thinking about setting up a home office at his house. And, and I said, well I think I have a monitor. I had a monitor. I used to, that used to be my monitor. Now." I don't need that anymore. Well, the time is coming at some point when God decides that it is time. There is a time coming where all of this stuff is really not going to matter. Materialism consumes so much of our energy and so much of our time. You get on the, the TV and you watch any program, what do you see? Ad after ad after ad. You get on the internet, Now with the the growth in software, uh, technology, tracking, ads, they know what you want to see. They target you and give you things that you've shown them before that you're interested in, trying to get you, what, separated from your dollars so you can have more stuff. Materialism. The second thing I think we we love in Babylon, if we're not careful, is hedonism. Hedonism. That is the seeking of pleasure. 1 John two fifteen to 16 had that in it. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh. That encompasses all kinds of temptations that we see with our eyes and we desire with our minds. We desire with our hearts the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We see it. We have to have it because it will make us proud, because it will make us feel better about ourselves, because it will make us feel as if we've achieved, as if we've gotten somewhere. These things, the pursuit of pleasure, after materialism, pursuit of things, those will seem so shallow They will seem like wasted investment, I believe, when we get to the end of our life. You know the old saying, no one will say on their deathbed they wish they had spent more time at the job. I don't think they'll say they wish they'd spent more time at the mall or on eBay. So what do we do about this? What is the world's—so far, preacher, you've told me the world's worst investments— uh, over eternity let me give you a better option the best option and here I want to give you some scriptures from Jesus and others Jesus and Paul Jesus looked around this is Mark ten twenty-three, and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God that is people who place their trust in wealth people who place their trust in experience everything this world to offer but instead what do you do well, again, a negative example, but I'll give you the positive. Matthew thirteen twenty-two. the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. So there's a, a key. Someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the seedfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what's he saying? The word is the best option. Not only the written word, the truth of God, but it directs us to the living word, to relationship with Jesus. You see… God wants no one to perish, we talked about two weeks ago, and so he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him might not perish but might have everlasting life. God loves each of us so much that he wants us to turn away from those things primarily that not to be our, the the thing we most focus on, the thing we most have as a priority. He wants us to focus instead on a relationship with Jesus on learning the Word, living with the Word, loving like the Word, and loving the Word. So that's what that's saying. And he's saying that this wealth and the, the materialism, the hedonism, it can choke out our love for the Word. It can choke out the priority we give to the Word and to our relationship with Jesus. The best option is what? It's on focusing on what all of us we're made to do it is to be made in the image of God it is to see loving God and loving others and loving to serve as our primary focus that's the best option first Timothy six ten says for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs so today If we did an inventory, how much priority do we give to our walk with God versus the way we live in, the way we love the world? That's what we need to think about today because I am begging you. I'm pleading with you. Don't invest in Babylon. Don't invest in Babylon for what will happen. Verses 8, 10, 17, and 19 Quickly, therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Verse 10, terrified of her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour your doom has come. Verse 17, in one hour such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain, all who travel by ship, the sailors, and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off. In verse 19, they will throw dust on their heads. And when weeping and mourning, cry out, woe, woe to you, great city, where all who had sips on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour, she has been brought to ruin. And then a verse you haven't seen, 1 John 2, 17, the world's and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. This will all happen quickly. Jesus was questioned in Luke chapter 12. And he told them, Suddenly, everything will change. See, I think that's our problem often, is that there's a delayed reaction to the way we live. And and I mean, it's a problem because one, we don't see the negative consequences of the things we do that don't please God, but we also don't immediately see the positive consequences of the eternal investments, the, the godly investments that we make. We don't see right away those things happen. But I am telling you, the Bible says over and over that suddenly everything will change. Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me.'" And Jesus replied, "'Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you?' Which is actually kind of funny because he will be the judge or arbiter. And then he said to them, "'Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed.'" Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That word in Greek, we translated we had over and over there, wealth. That's what it means, abundance. Uh, You know, I talked to you last week about globalrichlist.com. If you went and looked at that, you've probably been feeling, uh, I hope you've been feeling wealthy this week, but you've probably been feeling guilty. He told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? i have no place to store my crops this is what i'll do i'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there i will store my surplus grain and i'll say to myself you have plenty of grain laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be married but god said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich Lord God I've been giving you an equation each week love equals give we talked about two weeks ago give equals sacrifice let me give you this conclusion today as we wrap up this series sacrifice equals eternal investment in other words spend your life investing in what will last what will matter Helping people to find the forgiveness of God because of the great grace and love and mercy of God through Jesus Christ. That is what will matter. You don't immediately see that impact of you being faithful to God when you gather together with your family at Thanksgiving. But trust me, every time you testify about your faith, every time you use your spiritual gift to serve God, every time you put money toward the kingdom work of God, every time you do that, you're making an investment that will never tank. You're making an investment that will never bankrupt. drop. You're making an investment that will last for eternity. And I tell you, you won't see a lot of it. You know, I think about that sometimes. How many sermons have I preached? How many visits have I made? How many counseling sessions have I had? And I understand, I don't see those benefits or those influences or those witnesses, but you know what? I don't need to see them because I read the end of the book. And I'll tell you this. If you take my advice today from His Word if you invest your time in growing your spirit, growing to, in the ways and the knowledge of God, if you invest your time by knowing these things and then taking them and serving others, loving others, I'll tell you this, you'll be mighty happy on your last day or if tomorrow tomorrow. He decides to come and Babylon be destroyed. The world's best investment is loving God. Father, we thank you for these teachings, though hard they are to think about. I thank you for the many faithful witnesses here uh, through the 52 years of our church. People have chose to to sacrifice uh, by serving you, They've chose to sacrifice by, by witnessing even when it was unpopular. Uh, they've chose to serve you by investing their money, uh, to build our facilities, to, to send overseas to our missionaries, to to use for the ministry to those who are down and out, sick and needy. I pray that we'll continue to be faithful, both in what we give, our money, time, our energy. our our financial means. We'll be faithful in what we give and, and how we manage it, how we use it. Thank you, Father, for showing us a better way. Help us this week to choose a better way. Help us this year to choose a better way. Help us this decade if you wait that long to choose the better way. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.